On this week's Big Tech Show, when will cars safely drive themselves on our streets? And who in Ireland is providing the technology to help them do that? We talk to one of the country's biggest automotive autonomy entrepreneurs. I have BMW Drive Assist in my own vehicle and it is much, much safer because we are all prone to distraction, especially when we're on the motorway from Limerick to Dublin, for example. We've all been there where you actually forgot a whole section of the road. So I would say if you take it from a safety perspective and it does allow you to kind of relax. The Big Tech Show, available on all podcast platforms. This week on the Indo Daily. I actually don't believe right that priest said I have any harm. He just like thought I knew. But that's how I found that Miriam Martina was dead. How likely is it that Trump will be found guilty of paying hush money to former adult film star Stormy Daniels? We're talking about involvement in serious drugs activity on both sides of the border and as well as that, the procurement of weapons. Find and follow us at all the usual spots and over on the Irish Independent website. On the latest episode of Real Health with me, Carl Henry, I'm delighted to be joined by international best-selling author Heman Sunim, telling us what to do when things don't go your way. When we are, you know, very young and have a first love and the first love did not work out, we feel as though this is the end of the world. However, we learn that is not the case. We move on. We find some other people. So we begin to see that uh, when things don't go your way, uh, maybe it's not the end. As ever, we're available on all podcast platforms. This is an Irish independent podcast. Hello and welcome to the left wing. Well, it is the final round of pool games in the Champions Cup this weekend. We've got all the team news coming up. Rory O'Connor is here with me. Rory, before we get into the games, what about the confirmation this morning that Joe Schmidt is the new Wallabies head coach? Is he the ideal man to take over with the Lions Tour coming up next year? Well, he's certainly highly qualified for the job you'd have to say he's uh you know his experience speaks for itself his experience with ireland his recent experience with new zealand um you know he has experience of coming in to an international team at a low ebb and building from that ebb up into a place where they would be number one i mean in ireland in 2013 it wasn't a pretty picture at the end of that six nations and when he came in after the summer tour of the us and canada he was basically, you know, he had some very good players, but, you know, he was managing the end of O'Driscoll O'Connell's careers. He built it all around Johnny Sexton. He obviously uh, won his first two Six Nations at the first two attempts. Then, um, you know, disappointing World Cup in 2015 after all those injuries and then back up to 18 and the Grand Slam and then it all fell apart a little bit in 2019. So um, he is probably the outstanding coach who's out of work in the world. And he opted not to continue with New Zealand his project there was done. He's only signed on for two years, but he'll definitely be in charge when I believe the Wallabies are coming to Dublin this November and he'll be in charge for the Lions series next year. And that sets just things up beautifully, doesn't it? Um, it does, Andy yeah. Farrell versus Joe Schmidt again. Um, you know, the master versus the apprentice, all of that sort of stuff. It'll be great. But it's an interesting challenge. I mean, Australia were terrible at the World Cup and, and the calibre of player available to him is probably not as strong as it was at either New Zealand or Ireland. Now, he will find good players within the system, but he does say he's going to be working within the Australian system that he'll be trying not to call from outside. It's a very different market. Um, he'll have to deal with a much bigger, noisier, leakier, um, less interested media. He'll have to be on the offensive in terms of selling the sport because in Australia, that's a, that's a real challenge. It's the fourth or fifth most popular sport in the country. And so he will have new challenges to overcome over there. And, and we know from covering him, Sinead, that 
you know, media is something that he focuses on a lot, but he doesn't always get right. And it sometimes can spill over into what he does on a day-to-day basis. And that's a real challenge for him, I think, in Australia, where he will have to get people on side. They're already the first, I watched his press conference this morning. First five questions were directed to Phil Wall rather than Joe Schmidt. And the second one was, sorry, Phil Wall is the, the CEO of Rugby Australia. And the second one was, why have you gone for another Kiwi? And the fourth one was, why is he only signed on for two years? They didn't ask Joe. They asked Phil Wall, who's a more recognizable figure. So he has a bit of work to do in terms of getting brand or name recognition in Australia. But once the games start, I would expect performances to tick up and things to go better you know, for Australia than they have done over the last year. And watching it from this side of the world will be very, very interesting. Oh, well, yeah, it's definitely added a little bit of spice uh, to the Lions as w- tour as well. So we'll start with the Champions Cup games and we'll start with Leicester against Leinster at Welford Road. That's a 3.15 tomorrow. Leo Collins named a very strong team. Harry Byrne starts at out half. He's recovered from that ankle injury. Kieran Frawley isn't in the squad, even though Leo Cullen played down the seriousness of that injury uh, to Frawley after last weekend's game. Both Byrne and Frawley named in the Ireland squad, of course. And Prendergast is on the bench tomorrow. He'll train with the Ireland squad as well. Should we be concerned about Frawley's injury or should that be okay for the Six Nations? Yeah, I think he was very close to being involved this weekend and I think Byrne wasn't all week, but it's actually Byrne who's recovered quicker from the the injury that kept him out last weekend and this kind of chopping and changing that Leinster have had to kind of go through over the course of the entire European campaign and, and the Christmas Interpros continues with Byrne getting a nod and a really important selection for him, you know, away from home at Welford Road against a stacked Leicester team who have a lot to play for. They're, they're not sure of their place in the knockouts just yet. They need at least probably a point looking at the table to be sure of their place in the, the knockouts they've got you know he's going up against Andre Pollard you know and that's a a nice kind of benchmark to where he's at you know Harry Byrne we all are aware of the coaches rate him and, and that he's obviously very very talented but we haven't seen enough of him in the saddle to to make really definitive judgments on him and yet he's probably going to be you know, Frawley may be on the bench in the Six Nations because you know, he covers more positions, but I think if there was an injury, Harry Byrne would, would possibly start um, in place of Jack Crowley if, if Crowley got ruled out. And we know so little about him. It's such an interesting year in that regard. And I think this will be a very formative and, and um, you know, in, informative for Grandy Farrell in terms of where Harry Byrne is at right now. He's surrounded by Ireland squad players, probably Ireland starters. Like, you know, you got Ireland's fullback, James Lowe's at their guarantee starter. Larmer could also be there. You've got Ringrose and Henshaw, who'll probably be, if not starting, both in the 23. Gibson Park alongside him. That's it. That's his, that's your your Ireland um, starting scrum half. The Ireland starting front row. Perhaps the Ireland starting second row with Joe McCarthy and James Ryan. And a back row that has Ryan Bear, Josh van der Fleer and Caelan Doris. You know, Peter Armani drops into that pack. It may be the Ireland pack in, in a couple of weeks' time. So what an opportunity for Harry Byrne to really show us what he can do to nail down that, you know, we, by the time he comes back to Leinster after the Six Nations, his brother Ross will probably be back. And obviously Frawley's arrival as well. But he needs, I think, a big performance away from home to control this game, um, to make the right decisions, to really just nail his place in that pecking order while Ross is still away. Yeah, and uh, as you said, um, it is a really good Leicester side. Leinster, of course, already through to the next round. They're looking for that home last 16. They'll also want to finish in the top four seeds overall to get a home quarterfinal should they make it. But that Leicester team, you know, no Dan Cole, but Andre Pollard are 10, uh, Ali Chesham uh, in the second row and Freddie Stewart in there as well. Yeah, it's strong. I mean, 
it's hard to get too excited about them given they've lost to Ireland or sorry, lost to Leinster at the knockouts the last two years and they were really, really well beaten at the Aviva Stadium last year. And really they were blown out of the water in the first twenty minutes at Welford Road in the twenty twenty two Champions Cup. I think it was a quarter final. So there is um there's form for Leinster to at their best blow this Leicester side away and um considering we're two weeks out from Marseille and the the names in that Leinster pack they will look at this as a real litmus test to be ready for Marseille away from home. The team that kicks the most in this tournament uh, up against a, a running threat who really, I, I think what Leinster will really want, as well as top billing in the in the pools or close to it, they'll want a complete performance because we're, what, 12, 13 games into the season? We're, what are we, about eight or nine games into Jack Nienaber's 14 that he's promised us that everything will be right after 14 games. But they haven't really produced 80 minutes. You know, that La Rochelle game was really gritty and really impressive. But this, depending on weather conditions, obviously, but a really strong 80-minute performance from this team on, on that bench um, would just lay down a marker at the right time before they head off to the Six Nations, both in terms of the Six Nations, but then also for when they re- reassemble in, in March or April for those knockout games. Um, and the run-in as they you know, try and end their, their it's not that long a wait, but they've had such heartbreak in this competition in recent years, back-to-back final defeats, that semi-final in La Rochelle as well. They're on a bit of a mission, but if they play the way they've been playing, I don't think they're going to win the tournament. So they need to, 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 to find a performance from somewhere and not, no, no better time to, to do it. Yeah, for sure. Uh, so that game will be followed by Munster against Northampton at Thomond Park at 7.30 on Saturday. Uh, Munster as good um, as a short of a place in the last 16. One change to their starting team. Oli Yeager starts a tight head after completing the return to play protocols in what will be his first Champions Cup start. You talk about Leinster putting down a marker. You would like to see that now Munster have got a bit of momentum of their own going as well, Rory, for this one. Well, the best thing about this game is that Northampton, who are already qualified um, and almost and guaranteed a place in the top two so a home last 16 game they're clearly going for what Leinster are going for as well and on a high seating and they're sending over their full team which is which is really good in terms of the, the contest because we've seen a couple of times this season English teams sending over weakened sides and French teams but also in terms of getting a really good sense of where a couple of these Munster players are at and where Munster are at because the jeopardy is not really that there for Munster and even they're going to struggle to get ahead of Exeter Chiefs, uh, who are five points clear of them and have a better points advantage and will probably win their game at the weekend. So, um, you know, Munster are kind of trying to consolidate third place. They're going to be away in the knockout, but that doesn't take away from what a win over Northampton could do for them. You know, it's a, a big day for Zebo. You know, it's going to be difficult conditions in Thomas Park, but if he gives another good performance at fullback, it'll just increase the pressure and the clamour for him to be included, if anything, if there's any injuries in the Six Nations. For Calvin Nash, it's like a a dry run for Marseille in two weeks' time. Jack Crowley, again, he was very good last week in Toulon. But for him to you know, dominate this game, run this game, will just give everyone a little bit of extra confidence going over to France where he'll start. Craig Casey, I think he's really, really primed to take over from Conor Murray on the Ireland bench next month. He was excellent in Toulon and his kicking game, the balls he was putting up for the wingers, you know, led to the Calvin Nash try was excellent. And then even for the tight five, you know, Jaeger is being brought in as a kind of a, a an extra trainer in, in the Ireland setup. I mean, he has a number of Super Rugby, he has five Super Rugby titles under his belt. He's kind of, you know, he's, what, he's 28 uh, years old. He's very old to be a guy who's been brought in for the experience. But, you know, he's new to the setup, he's new to the system. If he has a big day tomorrow, 
Um, you know, that's another statement for him to say, look, I'm here to play for Ireland, not just be part of training. Tom Ahern as well. You know, there's lo- loads of them. I could list them all. And then the Ireland captain at six, Peter O'Mahony, his first game since that, that honour was confirmed. Question marks over his contract, but there's no questioning the value that he adds to Munster. Like, I think they'll they'll probably have enough for this Northampton side, but Northampton have been really good in this tournament so far. And look, anytime Laws is playing for them, you know they're going to take it full on and seriously. And, and he'll go after um, Crowley. I mean, Andy Farrell will be watching through his through his finger layers, um, as he as 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 he watches the kind of collisions the crowd he has to get involved in because he's so important to Ireland right away. But um, a really good test for Munster to see where they're at with you know limited amount of jeopardy as well because they're pretty much true. Mm-hmm. Uh, so to start tomorrow, we've got Harlequins against Ulster at the Stoop at one o'clock. Uh, they've made two changes to their back row. Matthew Ray starts on the blind side alongside David McCann and uh, Nick Timoney retains his position at number eight. Uh, it's fairly straightforward for Ulster. They need to win at the stoop to guarantee to get that place in the last 16. I suppose the question here is how damaging was last week's defeat? As good as Toulouse were in, ba- in Belfast uh, will be to Ulster going into this game tomorrow. I think Dan McFarland should just play them Tuesday's edition in the left wing and, and um, Luke Fitzgerald absolutely going through them. And, and rightly, you know, there was nothing wrong in what Luke said. It was, you know, he's he obviously run out of patience with watching Ulster. And the the one thing McFarland can go back to is they, that they lost heavily to Bath in, in round one and bounced back at home against Racing. And, and since then, obviously went to Leinster and won. But Quinns are a good size. You know, they have... You know, England. We, we talked about the Ireland players trying to put themselves into position. Well, you know, you have Marcus Smith trying to, you know, trying to change, you know, move into that kind of number ten slot for England. Don Brandt's back in England squad. Squad. They've they've a good record in this tournament um, this season. They're already qualified, but they've an outside chance of getting ahead of Bath. If Bath lose heavily into into lose, and Harlequins can win well against Ulster, they could you know slip into the home uh, last sixteen race as well. So they've got plenty to play for. Ulster, like there's great, you know, there's great clarity about what they need to do. I, you know, we can assume that Racing ninety two will beat Cardiff and beat them well, which will put them ahead of Ulster as it stands. So Ulster do need to go and win. It's effectively at the first of of five knockout games for Ulster if they want to go and win this tournament. But you would have major question marks about them after last weekend. I'm I'm looking forward to see David McCann back. I think if he hadn't got injured, he could have been a really a real contender for that Six Nations squad and. Even one of those traveling, um, traveling trainers, um, for the trip to Portugal because I think he's an incredible talent and a player that Ulster can kind of build their team around. You know, once Ian Henderson starts to to move on, at the moment they got both of them in, in tandem. We've got Tom Stewart, who um wasn't great last weekend, but has a real opportunity now with Rob Herring out. Um, you know, Ulster just need to perform. They need to put it up to Harlequins. They can't wilt like they did last weekend because it was such a disappointing performance. And look, you look at the, the Quins are good, but they're not they're not unbeatable by any means. Um, so Ulster need to go and just be realistic about what they can achieve and, and go and search that win. Yeah. Um. So it all starts tonight. Connacht against Bristol, uh, against uh at Lambs Bristol, of course, and it's a sellout at the Sports Ground as well. Uh, w- well, the Sports Ground no more, of course, as an official name because as of today, it will officially anyway be known as. Dexcom Stadium. Um, so Connacht have agreed a 12-year naming rights with the US multinational medical company and uh, that they hope as well to help with the cost of the redevelopment of, of their home ground. But it, it's been a week, Rory, hasn't it, for this topic of uh, renaming grounds as well? Yeah, I think this will be less controversial. I know, the, I know we're all used to referring to the sports ground as the sports ground, but really there's no great magic attached to it. And, and you know, Connacht fans will be very realistic. You know, they're, they're, they're you know, 
the most cash-strapped of the four Irish provinces. It's harder for them to get investment than anyone else. And for them to attract a sponsor, to sponsor the, the, the ground and also to, to help pay for the redevelopment, it's, it's just such a win for Willie Ruan and, and the team um, in Galway. And like this, one of the reasons they haven't been able to invest as heavily in their squad over the last couple of years is that they're redeveloping the stadium at huge costs. You know, they, they announced it at redevelopment and, um, you know, costs have gone through the roof ever since. And they've got the pitch, but they, you can see anytime you're down there, I love going to the sports ground as, as it's currently um, uh, kind of con- constructed and it's it's a, it's a really atmospheric ground intimate. to watch games in but it's not intimate it's oh, like i mean when it's when it's when it's on it when it's a great atmosphere down there it's, it's it's better than most irish grounds but you know it's it's rustic as well and, and they need to be able to make money from their stadium it needs to be a better setup for them they need to have better facilities so um in order to become com- more competitive than they have been and this nothing ex- exemplifies that more than their european campaign this year and it's been such a damn squib for them hasn't it i mean that f- opening night this is the first time back in the sports ground in europe since that Bordeaux game where they basically rolled out the red carpet to, to the French back line and, and they took full advantage. And um, Now, we have seen how how good Bordeaux have been since as well. No, we have. But, I mean, Connacht made, like, a bit like Ulster last Saturday night, Connacht made uh, life very, very easy for them that night. And, you know, that one of the reasons Bordeaux have been so good is because they got momentum in, in Galway, which is supposed to be a very hard place to go. Um, they have a very outside shot. They need... Um, basically need to beat Bristol well and then have Saracens lose um, at the weekend to Leon, who, you know, I don't think that's going to happen. But even to get into the Challenge Cup, Challenge the Cup yeah. season, that's mm. that's on the table for them as well. And, and like the fact that, you know, it's Pat Lamb, he's bringing Kieran Marmion back, AJ McGinty, um, you know, they have knowledge in terms of John Muldoon was coaching at Bristol last year. Joe Joyce was at Bristol as well. There's there's such great links between these two um, setups that, you know, that's probably what sold tickets rather than chances of getting through. And, like there's a bit of upset about the fact that they rested uh, Aki and and Beelham last weekend, and it kind of you know has cost them uh, probably their shot at getting to the quarter final. But that was a choice they made. That, that you know, Pete Wilkins had kind of three out of four games to pick them, and he chose to go for the two interpros rather than rest them for or rest them at, at Christmas and then play them in, in this window. And um, that choice maybe has backfired a little bit. But the URC, I guess, is where Connacht's main priorities lie this season because we've seen there's some way off the top teams in Europe but that's not to say they can't produce like it's a decent team they've picked tonight you know they look they'd love to have Mac Hansen available we uh, haven't seen Dave Hawkshaw and Bundy Aki together much you know Andrew Smith is a, a player who's been in and out Turner Halloran's back so like it's it they've been they've put a, a good team out I like interesting to see how Keen Prendergast responds to not being involved in the Ireland squad that was a big snub for him um, and obviously their two internationals Bielham and Aki are, are big in terms of just um, giving that bit of quality to what they have and a bit of belief to them. I, I've liked Shane Bolton. I think he's been really good for them the last couple of weeks. I thought he had an outside shot of getting into the Ireland setup. He's South African with Irish, um, I think, either parents or grandparents, but he's Irish qualified and he, he's been very big for them. And I, I really liked how he went after Owen Farrell physically in the, the Saracens game. But fortunately, overall, like the Bordeaux game, they fell off too many tackles in that game. And if they don't get their defence right, well, then a team with the size of Bernard Johnson and Rendsburg and the size and skill of Irimi Vakatawa in midfield with McGinty and Harry Randall running the show behind a decent pack, like that could be a difficult night for them. And, you know, the, the pitch at Sports Ground sometimes favours Connacht, but it also makes very life very easy for teams who are arriving. Um, you know, if it's still as cold and clear as it is now, um, certainly in Dublin, if the weather hasn't turned as we're expecting it to do over the weekend, then, um, you know, Bristol will fancy their chances and they've got something to play for as well. So, um, I, I don't know. I, I, I think Connacht have a lot to prove to us at this stage based on what we've seen so far. 
Okay, so your overall predictions for the provinces starting with Connacht tonight? I think Bristol will win at Connacht tonight. Um, and Connacht will throw everything at them, but I just I wonder about their confidence levels. And, and we've seen too many times that their defence is just that bit soft and lets teams um, get through that little bit too easy. And even their bench in the last 20 minutes has struggled in games. I, um, I think Ulster are going to struggle. They need a win, but... Yeah, I just I don't know if they're, if they're going to have enough over over the eighty to to beat that Harlequin side at the at the stoop and and um, the Challenge Cup maybe just where they deserve to be next season or this season based on what we've seen in the pool because they just haven't quite been good enough. And then I think the other two will win. I think that, you know Munster at home, Tottenham Park, difficult conditions. Um, on the back of that brilliant performance in Toulon, I'm going down to that game. I was in Toulon last weekend and suddenly out of not out of nowhere because it's based on the URC win last year, but there's a real sense of purpose and momentum behind that Munster team and then like Leinster just you know Leicester must have woken up seeing the Ireland or the Ireland team rolled out by Leinster and just sighed this morning because it is phenomenal it's it's very close to the side that's going to play against France and Marseille and not so long ago was number one in the world so if Leinster can just get their physical game right and get their attack game right and, and take their chances in the 22 they, they have too much for that Leicester team but that's not to say they won't be tested and the Neen Arbor defence will be you know, I'm sure Dan McKellar and his team have watched all the footage of what Ulster did to them and what you know, Stad and, and Sale, um, maybe to a lesser extent, did in terms of their kicking game. You've also got two Springboks, like Andre Pollard facing the Neen Aber defence, but he's done that in training for the last eight years for South Africa. So that's a nice bit of intel for Leicester to have. And Dan Kelly's an interesting one. He's Irish qualified again in a couple of months' time. It's it's almost been four years since he won his, his England cap. He was an Ireland under-20 international. So... You wonder whether the provinces are beginning to sniff around him and wonder if they can convince him to come across the Irish Sea and offer him a route into international rugby. He's a good centre. Um, you know, that, that that's another little uh, nugget to it. But I think Leinster will just have too much for Leicester at Welford Road. Okay, good stuff, Where We'll enjoy Tumman Park tomorrow. That is it Thank from you. us. We will be back on Monday with a podcast from the official launch of the Men's Six Nations at the Guinness Storehouse. And uh, we hope to hear then from Peter O'Mahony for the first time since he's been named Ireland captain as well, of course, uh, from Andy Farrell and plenty more as well. Thanks for listening.